Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin', brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Jessica Handler, the author of Braving the Fire, a guide to writing about grief and Invisible Sisters, a memoir which was named one of the 25 books all Georgians should read, and Atlanta Magazine's best memoir of 2009. Her latest book is The Magnetic Girl, published by the fine folks at Hub City Press out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Jessica, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. Jessica, my first question for you is about your publisher, Hub City Press, mm-hmm. and the Charles Fraser Cold Mountain Fund series. Can you tell us about this fund and Hub City Press and how you connected with them? Hub City is just a fabulous group of people. They are a southern miracle. They're in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they are um, a small press, an independent press. And I connected with them actually through mutual friends and pitched this book to Meg Reed at Hub City, who became my editor. And one of the reasons that I went to Hub City is because this is a southern book. I mean, all kinds of people can read it and will relate to it, but it takes place in the South and it has a very specific kind of southern feel to it in terms of southern history. And Hub City is an ideal home for this book because of their sensitivity and awareness of the history of the South, the changing South, women's voices. This is um, a feminist book in that it is the story of a young girl coming to understand who she is and who she wants to be and her place in the world. The Charles Fraser Cold Mountain Fund um, is something I learned about after Hub City acquired the book and after we went into production. And... Um, my understanding of this is that um, Charles is um, supporting, endorsing, giving um, emphasis to Hub City titles, three Hub City titles to start with, um, that speak specifically to the Appalachian Southern experience. The next one coming up is a book by Mark Barr called Watershed, which I'm looking forward to. Thank you so much. Meg is a fantastic and generous person, and I love Hub City. I did my undergraduate work at University of South Carolina, so I like to represent South Carolina whenever I can. South Carolina Um, represent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Mark is great, too. Um, This novel, The Magnetic Girl, is about a girl, Lulu Hurst, and upon finishing this novel, I was surprised to find out that Lulu was a real person. Uh, Can you tell us about Lulu, both historically and in your novel? Absolutely. Lulu Hurst was a real person. She was born in 1869, and uh, when I talk about her, my Atlanta, my Georgia accent comes out, and I say 1869, Mm -hmm. and um, she was born in 1869, and she grew up in Cedartown, Georgia, in Polk County, which is the northwest corner of the state. And I found out about Lulu Hurst really kind of randomly. My mother um, and I were both very interested in stories about women and girls who were perceived to have unusual bodies or unusual relationships to their bodies because of, you know, we can talk about my, my other books and what that has to do with that. But my mother one day, probably 10 or 12 years ago, randomly emailed me a clipping from an electrical engineering magazine from the 1890s called Cassier's Magazine. And the clip was called The Feats of the Magnetic Girl Explained. And the first thing, of course, is I didn't know there were EE magazines in the 1890s. Um, And my mom just came across it and sent it to me. And I read about this article debunking 
well, maybe it wasn't debunking, this article talking about this teenage girl who had done these weird tricks on the vaudeville stage. And I just fell in love with her. And so I did some research, and she wrote an autobiography, which I read. And the real Lulu Hurst was on stage for 18 months in the 1880s, touring the whole country. In the book, I just have it, the East Coast, but she was all over the country, uh, performing as either the um, Georgia Wonder, the Magnetic Girl, or periodically the Electric Maid, which I didn't use because it sounds like a cleaning tool. <laughs> um, and what she did were tricks, tests, she and her father called them, that involved fulcrum and lever, either with a cane or with a chair and with men sitting in the chair, and she'd basically lean it back uh, and surprise them and sort of flip their legs up, and the thinking was that she'd thrown them into the air. Uh, so the fascination had to do with the looming 20th century and the uh, impending technology of electricity and how it was confused with magnetism, animal magnetism, mesmerism, and spiritual beliefs. Thank you, Jessica. When you're writing a historical novel, how do you decide which parts of your subject's life to adapt and which part to take liberties with? Oh, that's a good question, and I struggled with that a lot. The factual information I have about Lulu Hurst um, is pretty thorough, but it didn't make a novel. You know, it would have been a litany of here are the places she performed and here are the things she did. And what I think, what I want in a historical novel, in an historical novel, is a real world. I want the world I'm reading about to be true to that era. But then what I also want is an understanding of who that person was in their heart. And so what I did was I made up the character of the younger brother. She did in real life have two brothers who were, I believe, older than she was. Um, I turned them into a younger brother and I created an interaction with the younger brother that then saddled my version of Lulu with a need to do the tricks, tests that she did because she in her autobiography was not forthcoming about that. Uh, so it's a very realistic world and then I took liberties with what I believe happened in her heart. Thank you very much. Um, we've touched on this a little bit, but I'm hoping we can talk about it a little bit more. Much of this novel deals with the concept of mesmerism. What is mesmerism, and how did Lulu become involved with it? Mesmerism was named for a guy named Anton Mesmer, who was a scientist doctor in the 17th century in, um, I want to say, Austria. I will look that up. And what he determined was that the human body has fluids in it, which he's not wrong about that. And what he kind of came to believe was that our fluids in our bodies are magnetized, depending on his understanding of magnetics. And he called it animal magnetism. And this gradually became under his hands the idea that your magnetic fluids, if they are out of balance, that is how you become ill or how you become disturbed in your mind. And he treated people. He treated them. He put them in vats of water and, and told them that it was magnetized. And he um, did kind of a version of what we would now call laying on of hands. And so mesmerism has to do with your fluids in your body and how they are uh, magnetically driven. And this is a precursor to hypnotism. So when a person is mesmerized and you imagine the glowing eyes, somehow that became hypnotism. And what this is to me is 
belief, willingness to believe that you can be cured, you can be fixed, you can be changed. Um, and mesmerism and animal magnetism, as I said, gradually became understood to be hypnotism, and as we move into the 18th and 19th century, um, became a kind of spiritual faith healing. Thank you, Jessica. And since electricity was new in this era, how did people interpret it? It's a great question. You know, the telegraph was invented in the 1840s, and apparently the first message that was transmitted is, was, what hath God wrought? And the telegraph went into common use during the Civil War in the 1860s and was used to communicate, you know, uh, troop movements or information to reporters about uh, losses. And it also was used in train timetables, right? The, the 1015 from Oakdale was, was held up by a cow. Um, so the average person didn't understand what was happening with this new technology. And people tended to think that it was spirit voices, not science, because they didn't understand the science. So it was grandma from the great beyond telling you that the 1015 from Oakdale was going to be an hour late. Thank you, Jessica. Listeners, we are going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Jessica Handler. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Jessica Handler, author of The Magnetic Girl, published by our friends at Hub City Press. Jessica, the second chapter of the novel opens on a Civil War battlefield. And in this chapter, we are introduced to Will. Who is Will and what is happening to him? Lulu Hurst's father was named William Hurst. And William Hurst did serve uh, in the Confederate Army, I believe in Hardy's troops. So what I've done in the book is I'm moving back and forth. Uh, The Lulu sections are in first person and the Will, her dad, sections are in third person. Uh, And what's happening in this section is we've moved to Will as a young man. We're introduced to Lulu at the beginning of the book. We move back in time to Will as a young man on a battlefield. And the choices he makes um, about being in combat, and it also reveals a background that I made up for him. I know nothing about the real Will Hurst's parentage. Uh, but I have given him a background where his mother was a mesmerist and his mother was a charlatan. And so he is in a situation while he's waiting for battle with his comrades where a discussion of mesmerism comes up and he struggles in his own heart and soul with what to reveal um, about what he knows about this this faux science, false science. Mm-hmm. And is the magnetic girl uh, the production, not the girl herself, Will's show or Lulu's? Oh, what a good question. You know, at the beginning, it's Will's show. Um, He is, in a way, a stage dad. 
uh, but he's a stage dad because he has his own things in his life that he's trying to work out that didn't work out right for him, and he finds in his daughter a skill of which he is jealous. And Lulu, as a teenager, you know, in my experience, teenagers, particularly teenage girls, the first person they love is their dad. And even if your dad comes up with a wacky idea or sets you up to do a thing that you might be embarrassed, nervous about, you love your dad and you want to do what that shining star wants you to do. And so it's Will's show at the beginning and she's willing to go, willing, so to speak, to go along with it. And it gradually it becomes more and more of her show as she takes ownership, literal and figurative ownership, of what she can do with her own body and with other people's perceptions of it. And that's where the, the conflict in the book emerges. Thank you, Jessica. Um, much of Lulu's interest in mesmerism arises from her desire to cure her brother. Uh, can you tell us about her brother and what is she trying to cure him yeah. of? Without giving too much away, as I said, I, I created the little brother. Mm -hmm. But he, his name is Leo, and he's about six years younger than she is, and she loves him dearly. And so the relationship of siblings plays a, a big part in this book. And there is a mishap when Lulu, as a young girl, is caring for Leo as a baby. There's a mishap. Um, and Lulu misinterprets her role in this physical mishap with the baby. Um, and I do want to jump in here and say that ultimately he's fine. So mm -hmm. just, just don't worry about it. Ultimately he's fine. But Lulu doesn't know this for a good portion of the book. So much of what's happening here, her involvement with mesmerism, her willingness to go out on these stages and perform these uh, tricks of hypnotism and of physical strength have to do with her desire to learn to heal her brother and by extension herself and the damage she thinks she's brought upon her family. Um, it's about love for a sibling and the attempt to make right what has gone wrong. Thank you. Jessica, I have a question about the character of, um, forgive me if I'm butchering the pronunciation, Mrs. Voorhees. As a writer, I immediately thought of Jason Voorhees, the psycho killer from the Friday the 13th movies, <laughs> and Mrs. Havisham from Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. What can you tell us about the character of Mrs. Voorhees? Mrs. Voorhees. I had not until this moment thought of, what is that, Friday the 13th mm -hmm. with the mask? Oh, now I'm now it's stuck in my head. And yes, Lulu makes a reference to Miss Havisham. So, um, and I did that because I wanted people to know that the real Lulu Hurst and the Lulu Hurst of my heart, it was a literate person. I mean, she was well-read. Mrs. Voorhees, Therese Voorhees, just for the fun of it, mm -hmm. uh, is a woman who Lulu is brought to her house to perform faith healing on her. And Lulu doesn't want to do faith healing. She, she didn't in real life and in this book, people started to say, oh, you can perform these tricks. Perhaps you can speak to the dead. Perhaps you can heal my disease. Um, because people want the, the ultimate thing about human beings is that we have great desires. And so Lulu is brought to this woman's house to perform um, a healing on her. And we learn, and Lulu learns, that Mrs. Voorhees is indeed a champion mesmerist who is laid low perhaps by her um, fondness for laudanum or other opiates of the era. And she's a widow, and she's older, and um, we again get into a discussion of 
how women and their bodies are perceived. So Lulu goes to try and heal her because she's thinking, well, we'll get paid and, and I've got to do what people want me to do. And Mrs. Voorhees plays a trick on Lulu and who is in power gets upended again. And Mrs. Voorhees starts to put into Lulu's mind the idea that, you know, people are misperceiving you. And you, young lady, I'm paraphrasing, uh, you, young lady, are responsible for how people see you and what do you want that legacy to be. And at the end of the book, as Lulu comes to, I'm not going to give anything away, but as Lulu comes to a realization about herself, she tries to reach out to Mrs. Voorhees and um, something has changed. Thank you. Finally, Jessica, I want to highlight a passage from page 188 of this novel, The Magnetic Girl, that in my mind is a perfect uh, distillation of Lulu's character. The speaker, who I believe is Lulu's cousin, says, I think you should thank the Lord every time you're on a stage. You know who's behind that miracle that led you to places like this one? And then Lulu says, I did know. Me. Uh, Can you talk about this passage and what it tells us about Lulu? In real life, Lulu had a cousin whose name was Laura, and I've changed her name to Dale. And I know very little about the cousin, uh, except for the fact that the cousin is the person upon whom Lulu, as a teenager, played her first trick just out of boredom, and that's what escalated into her fame. The cousin basically said, you've got magnetism in your fingers, and Lulu, being a teenager who was bored and kind of wanted to do something else, kind of went, all right. Um, But... Lulu Hurst ultimately left the stage in real life, partly because she felt that she was um, not doing right by how people perceived God or religion. She felt that maybe people thought she was um, not being Christian or she was uh, manifesting the devil, and she didn't want she didn't want that. And I understand that. So what's happening in this scene is that. Dale, the cousin, and her girlfriends have come to a performance of Lulu's. And backstage, the part that you read, Dale now wants to take some responsibility for Lulu's fame. She's jealous. She's sort of the original mean girl. Um, She's jealous. And she wants to kind of say, God gave you this power. Because one of the things that happened, too, during the era with electricity, the beginning of electricity, is people tended to, they didn't know what it was. They didn't understand the science of it. So maybe it came from God. Maybe it came from the other world. So Dale is kind of saying, I put you here and you should thank God for your powers. And here Lulu, when she says, I did know, me, is recognizing her own power as a person and her own power as a young woman. Thank you so much. And Jessica, would you like to read us a passage from your novel? Sure. This is a section from chapter 13 in which Lulu Hurst is on the stage. So, in Birmingham, three acts were ahead of me on the bill. From the wings, I watched a boy switch the easel card from Huey and Mabel Fenton in The Village Doctor to Schwartz and Mendel, Hebrew comedians. The acrobat couple skipped off stage, making a bridge of their hands above my head as they passed me at the curtain. The piano player struck up a vivacious number, and two men with false beards and fake noses stumbled center stage. They insulted each other in accents that ended every sentence with a question. Soon enough, they began shoving each other in a mock fight. The audience shouted and booed, but I laughed when an egg pelted either Schwartz or Mendel's back and broke in a teardrop of slime. 
When a barrage of rotten vegetables came at them, though, I wanted to turn the projectiles back to the audience. Mendel and Schwartz shielded their faces with their caps and made for the wings. No one wiped up the garbage left in their wake. The boy went out again to change the placard to the one our manager had sent with us. On us, the words, Lulu Hurst, the magnetic girl, streamed from jagged lightning bolts emanating from a woman's skirt. She juggled nine men over her head in an arc. I'd never lifted a fellow with my bare hands, and I'd certainly never juggled one. Back in Cedartown, posters like this were the stuff of dreams. Did those artists doubt the image on their posters the way I did now? This sketch was any woman, her skirt bigger than mine, her hair in an outdated style. This was me, the girl with sparks flickering from her boot soles. Entice a man for silver and steal his strength came from somewhere in the audience. A woman stood. I could see her shape in the last row. As she shouted, sinner, her neighbors shouted back at her, calling, go away and run home to your husband. Daddy strode across the broken eggs and the browning lettuce. At center stage, he held out his arm to me. I measured each step as I went to meet him, although I wanted to gallop. As I walked, I smiled and waved into the darkness beyond the footlights. Mesmerism was not anathema to God. God made all of us the iron and the copper and magnets, too. Every one of my tests meant perfecting my ability to heal my brother, and there was no sin. Skidding on the garbage slick boards, I turned that blunder into a curtsy. The audience stomped their feet and chanted, Magnetic girl! My steps on the stage became a kind of dance toward the wooden ch kitchen chair and the urn filled with umbrellas and canes. As Daddy chose volunteers, I made a show of arranging the chair in profile to the audience. Clamoring men eddied into the aisle, and Daddy pointed at one after the other, like Man Michelangelo's painting of the hand of God. The first fellow took the stage, but hesitated when he faced me. It's just a routine accessory bought right here in town, I said, offering him the cane. He blushed, but he took the cane. I figured he wanted to check for buckshot secreted in the handle or the foot to shift the balance around. An illusionist had used that trick in Savannah. There was no charade in my material. A cane was a cane, a chair was a chair. I instructed the fellow on the grasp, and then I gazed into his eyes, captivating him. His eyelids drooped and his lips pursed. As he pressed downward on the wood, I pressed forward and up. The seconds passed. Our new friend can't beat the magnetic girl's force, Daddy called out, encouraging the audience to cheer louder. The electrical magnetic force emanates naturally from her hands. When will he succumb? The cane dug into my palms, the fellow's unconscious signal that he was about to let go. A man never knew that about himself. Increased pressure was his natural effort before his muscles gave out. Relief made me giggle, and with a grunt, the man stumbled as the cane jumped from our four hands. The audience saw me catch it easily before it hit the ground, but it never left my hand. The theater shook with applause. Daddy straightened the red-faced sweating man's collar while I made a flourish of placing the cane back into the urn. My hands burned. Thank you. What a wonderful reading. And this novel, The Magnetic Girl, is a spectacular novel. I had so much fun reading it. Please, listeners, come pick up a copy at Quill Ridge Books. We will have signed copies available in-store and online at www.quailridgebooks.com. I've been speaking with Jessica Handler, author of The Magnetic Girl, published by Hub City Press. Jessica, thank you for joining me. Thank you. 
Once again, I would like to thank Jessica Handler for joining me. Signed copies of The Magnetic Girl can be purchased in-store at Quail Ridge Books and online at www.quailridgebooks.com. If you're a writer who wants to explore your craft, receive feedback on your work, and make new writing friends without the pressure and expectations of a university writing program, then check out the Redbud Writing Project. This new school offers in-person classes and workshops in short story writing, novel writing, memoir, submitting, publishing, and more at community locations in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. Visit redbudwriting.org to learn more and sign up. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookend.